0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Conversations from the world of women's sports. This is WISP
1: Sports Radio.
2: WISP,
1: WISP. This is episode 14 of the Fab Podcast on WISP Sports Radio.
0: WIS Sports Radio is brought to you by Highlands Earache Drops.
1: Have you been diagnosed with an earache by a physician? For natural relief due to earache pain, fever, irritability, and sleeplessness, try Highlands Homeopathic Earache Drops and Tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe, effective homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. There's no alcohol and no sting. You can get back to doing what you love. Go to highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain to find a retailer near you. That's highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Read and follow label directions. The Fab Podcast is the weekly show brought to you by Females in Athletic Business. For women in the sports business, where we believe that women in sport deserve equal coverage. Excuse me. Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Kristen Ray, and I'm the founder of Females in Athletic Business and one of your hosts of the Fab Podcast. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Emily and Kaylee of the Sideline Sass podcast. And Sideline Sass is a 60-minute podcast produced twice a month and it focuses on current sports topics as well as some pop culture debates from two female sports industry professionals who tell it like it is. Welcome, Emily and Kaylee.
2: Thank you. We are so excited to be here.
1: Thanks for having us. So, ladies, I begin each of our episodes um, by hearing a little bit about the journeys that our guests have taken to their current spot in the sports industry, so, Emily, let's start with you. Can you give me a quick rundown of kind of what your job is right now and how you came to get that job? And then we'll hear from Kaylee um, after that.
3: Absolutely. I actually took some notes last night that I would keep this um, concise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, <clears throat> I took a very unconventional path in the sports writing industry. Uh, most people you'll see that write for newspapers and whatnot and cover teams, uh, went to journalism school at their college or maybe wrote for their college paper. But, um, I actually went to a small college out here called St. Mary's. You may have heard of it, uh, from its basketball pipeline. Um, and Mm -hmm. I majored in creative writing and an English major. So I didn't really know that sports writing was going to be a definitive part of my future until kind of, it just showed up and manifested in the form of, um, An opportunity to write for a website pretty much right after I graduated. And uh, I started, you know, working in sports radio and then writing kind of as an intern for a startup site. And that's that opportunity right there led me to be credentialed to Stanford football, which kind of opened the door to the rest of the sports world after. I mean, once you cover your first game, that's kind of the Beginning of of a lifelong um, romance with the with the industry, so uh, I kept reaching more and more opportunities in college football and college basketball, and that in turn led to you know covering Heisman's and uh, Rose Bowls, and you know to date we've covered spring training for baseball and NHL hockey playoffs. So, uh, but it all started with a internship with a startup website that's now defunct; it, it no longer exists. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because a lot of my clips are on there. But uh, R.I.P. to uh, to Watch. So yeah, that's that's how I started.
1: That's an interesting story, especially when you say that the that the website that gave you your you know your start isn't around anymore. But what I think the there is a lesson to be learned there for young women listening is um, what might seem like a small company that you've never heard of or what might not seem like the biggest, shiniest um, internship opportunity may still be something that gets you where you want to go. So I think that's one thing that I've heard. I hear a lot from young women, at least, is, well, you know, all the best and biggest ones are taken or I missed my shot or they didn't take me. Um, you know, no opportunity is too small. You never know who or what your next opportunity is going to be. So don't, you know, don't over overlook certain things. So. Kaylee, what about you? What's your story?
2: Well, I have, um, kind of unconventional and kind of conventional in the mix. But, uh, so I actually started acting when I was really young and, um, always wanted to be on camera and absolutely loved it. I did that for about 12 years. And once I got to a point in my life, I realized, you know, school is very important to me and I want, I want to take control of my career a little bit more. So, um, but I still wanted to be on camera. And I was actually talking to my dad about you know what I wanted to do next and where I should go, and he said, you know, Kaylee, I've always seen you reporting on sports, like being on ESPN, and it was in that moment that it all kind of clicked. It was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, yes, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what I want to do. So from that point, um, I went to Cal State Fullerton, which had a great uh, broadcast um, broadcast journalism program, and as well as some really great sports so you know they're they're a baseball pipeline so um i studied there and basically as soon as i graduated i ended up getting a job um with the san jose sharks and so i moved back to northern california and at that time i was just a chiron operator which means i put together all of the graphics during the show that you see on the on the jumbotron in the arena so that's kind of how I got my start okay. that led then to a um, to an on-camera position there where I was the in-game host for the Sharks and for the uh, minor league team, the Barracuda. And so that's kind of how I got my on-camera start. And at that time, I was taking any opportunity I could. I was covering um, high school sports and college for a website called GetSportsFocused.com. And that is actually how I met Emily was uh, covering Stanford football. (laughs) So that's how we kind of made our connection. And from there, it was kind of um, love at first sight, I would say. (laughs) And uh, we've always wanted to work together. And um, so finally, we just decided, you know, we we dabbled in the video realm and all that kind of stuff. But it was really the podcasting area that has allowed us to talk about anything we want in the the style that we want which is sass, which I'm sure you'll hear um, soon <laughs> and uh, and we've been we've had a blast I mean I've seen some of your
1: videos on your social media you hang in there so because you both have experience in the sports journalism field um, you know it sounds like some with writing some with some with on air because you know, um, not everyone's so, um, you know, comfortable in front of the camera.
2: It's hard. It's hard. I've
1: never tried to do it, so I can't I can't say for sure. But Emily, why don't you start by saying uh, sounds like maybe you've done a little bit of both. Tell tell our girls who are listening, because um, I do have a lot of members of our organization who are interested in sports journalism. What. The differences, the pros and cons of on-air versus writing, what you like about both of them, and maybe what the biggest challenges are about both of them, if if there are girls trying to kind of pick between the two.
3: Well, I definitely think that being able to do <clears throat> all of the aspects of the sports industry, so not just the writing, but also, you know, being able to be comfortable on camera if you have to be, and then also being able to do radio, uh, learning to do a radio spot. While you're covering a, a game or a tournament and whatnot is very valuable, um, because if you can have that kind of triple threat in your in your uh, on your resume, then it makes you a little more attractive for other jobs. Because we are going towards a digital world, and and nowadays people want to know, well, can you you know shoot and upload video? Can you interview someone on the spot? You know, can you do all these things? So, I think that's the strength that I've learned from Kaylee. Had I not partnered up with her, I don't think I would be half as comfortable, you know, doing on the fly interviews. I actually did my first on camera interview over spring training with the Giants, um, I believe hitting coach. And it was terrifying. I mean, I literally you're rehearsing it and you're going over in your head. But when you get on camera, it's like a completely different animal. People can say things and you have to adjust. And so I think watching her do what she does so well has helped me, you know, kind of Realize it's not that big a deal. So for girls out there that are listening, if you're a writer and and the, that other stuff is kind of terrifying, maybe reach out to a girl that you know that's on camera or that does radio. And, and I'm not saying you have to partner up, but definitely learn from each other and take and draw from each other's strengths because you know we're not perfect and and we can always improve what we're doing. But uh, we're all here to help each other at the end of the day, and and that's why I'm lucky that I I met Kaylee to improve my sports broadcasting.
1: Well, and one one thing I think is very interesting and doesn't happen all the time is that when you came across each other on, on the field, if you will, r- literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. you...
3: On the sideline, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You didn't immediately, your instinct wasn't like enemy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's There's so many times in our industry and probably other industries where if you meet another female who's in your peer group, who's in your industry, who may have a similar job, um, your instinct might be to like immediately think of her as competition. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I think we really hurt each other, especially in our industry, because it is often very male dominated when we don't see each other as opportunities, but as um, as challenges. And it's so uh, refreshing to hear that your story was, Oh gosh, I see something in her that I, that I need or can benefit from and it, in each other and can be- better myself because of her. And so I think that's, that's a big takeaway from your story too. Um, from both of your stories that you saw each other as a way to help each other and get better and not just, um, you know, someone who potentially <laughs> could steal your job. So I think that's a, that's a big deal that. I didn't even have on my list to talk about today because it it is something that isn't um, always natural for girls in our industry. Have you guys come across that at all? Oh, of
2: course. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I think that the biggest thing that you have to realize is just that, look, there's always going to be somebody that could potentially take your spot. And there's always going to be, you know, the next person coming who's probably better at you than some things or worse at you than some things. But what you have to do is be confident in yourself and your ability and just know that when if you are doing everything you can do to better yourself and to be, you know, open and um, and willing to help, like that's always going to come back in your favor. No matter if somebody does take your job or not, you know, there's always going to be opportunities out there. Um, And I've just learned in the industries that i've worked in from acting to to broadcasting and everything like that that um if you can just be open and be happy for people and you know and and to be encouraging and have people learn from you and you learn from them and just kind of this you know open um open doors kind of policy i've i've noticed that it will always come back in your favor. So you just have to be confident in yourself and your ability and know that at some point, like it's gonna work out in your favor, whether you're helping other people or not. So, but uh, yeah, I've definitely seen it in, especially in this industry that females do tend to be a little bit more, um, standoffish because it is that way, you know, cautious. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, because you know, that, they could potentially take your job. I mean, we see so many females, um, sports reporters that are older, and they've been doing this a very, very long time. And I'm sure that, you know, tensions are high that um, the younger girls are going to come in and take their jobs. But, you know, you've seen um, so many of these women uh, stay in their positions. And you know why? It's because they're really good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I think you just have to you just have to uh, continue to better yourself and and know your stuff and
3: and you'll make well, it It's funny because I was never a threat. Like when I walked up to her on the sideline of the Rose Bowl, I was a bit of a mess from the night before it New Year's Eve. So I was tired and, <laughs> and I was just looking for somebody to, to walk around with and kind of go over. Th- to hold yeah, her up. Well, yeah, prop me up <laughs> for the game. But, but I was never, you know, I don't go into these things ever looking at people as potential threats, because I think every game is an opportunity to meet somebody that could change your life. And, and that's the kind of person I am. And then I kind of, you know, befriended Kaylee, and I've brought her into this. And we've met a lot of really cool women. Yes, not every girl is going to be our best friend. And we Understand that. And we're okay. But uh, we've met a lot of great females, especially in the Bay Area. And um, I think that's what's so special about about our partnership. So.
2: And I just want to say real quick that I, I I know that I sound like, oh, all this positive positivity all the time. That's definitely it's hard. I'm going to let everybody know out there that it's hard to be happy for people that take your positions or, you know, are going further than you. And, you know, they don't have as much talent. Trust me, ladies, like that is a hard thing to do. But um, even with myself, I have to make sure that I'm constantly like, OK, just like be happy, keep moving forward, do your thing and and everything will work out. I'm not saying it's an easy road. I'm just saying it's the better road.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you never know who's watching. So. You know, if it, it will just it'll do us all some good if we're always supportive of the, the other women who are moving in the up, upward direction around us, because you just never know who's watching and you need to make sure you're always being graceful, gracious, supportive, because that it, the person who's going to offer you the next opportunity could be watching. So that's that's a that's a good message to remember. Um, mm-hmm. So, Emily. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that maybe you've experienced on the sidelines, specifically maybe dealing with the fact that you are a woman and, you know, maybe a time where, uh, you know, someone wasn't ready for you to ask a certain question because you were a woman or wasn't ready to be interviewed by you or was still maybe just surprised that it was you versus somebody else, or maybe you haven't experience that, and maybe that will be a good refreshing moment for us. If you if you haven't,
3: (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's there's any girl out there that works in here that won't experience some sort of weirdness. the the varying degree of of how uncomfortable it gets can I'm sure be different. But for me, in the beginning, I was able to befriend. I'm going to give a shout out actually. uh, Kevin Gemmel, he wrote for ESPN. And I happened to just meet him at a game like I meet most people. And it was funny because he was like my idol. You know, I idolize this guy's writing. I read it all the time. And then to sit next to him in a press box, it's a little scary. But he was literally the best person, you know, I've ever met. And he kind of said right away, I'll read your writing. Let me know what you need. And, and because of him is really where why I'm where I am. I mean, he took me under his wing. And that is kind of a rare thing for a male female friendship like that in this industry um you would think you'd have more female mentors but it was actually it's actually the males that i've met that have been supportive now that doesn't that doesn't mean that they're all going to help you you definitely have to navigate the the tenuous waters of being a female and, and being in a locker room and having to deal with coaches and players and and being in their kind of element as opposed to in yours you know we've been in many locker rooms you know where we're trying to interview guys, and, and in college especially, they, they think it's kind of funny that you're in their space and uh, not clothed and whatnot, and um, so you just kind of have to learn to to roll with it. And I think one of the biggest things I learned is um, just navigating the industry in a smart way. So you know if a coach reaches out and wants to be your friend, that's great, and you should utilize that friendship. But just being smart about uh, what you're willing to put into a friendship with somebody that you're covering or someone that you may cover and um knowing boundaries and knowing limits and and knowing yourself uh that would be i think the the hardest thing about about this because you're going to get to a place where someone's going to push you or someone you know is going to want you to do something that maybe you're not comfortable with so just being assured of yourself and understanding that you will get there you don't have to cut corners um to to do so and just making sure you surround yourself with good people i guess would be my experience
1: Emily, would you say that when you brought up your mentor, I think you said his name was Kevin, would you mm-hmm. say that um, he was able to, did, did you use him as kind of a connect in some ways? Like, was he able to introduce you around to the point where um, he lent some credibility to you with people that you didn't know yet? I mean, is that is that something that you were able to use that relationship for? And would you recommend finding someone who can do that for you?
3: Absolutely. I I remember the first event I covered with him was the uh, NCAA convention back when autonomy was an issue for the five conferences. And I was sitting at a table because he, he, I mean, he said, you should cover this, come to San Diego, it'll be great. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And I ended up at a table with, you know, Pat Forty, Stuart Mandel, um, Joe Shad, Nicole Auerbach, a huge table full of writers that I've read my whole life. And And it was very intimidating. But because of my relationship with Kevin, these people accepted that I was a writer, no question. And he would always speak very highly like, oh, this is Emily. She's an up-and-coming writer. I mean, I found myself in Jim Mora's office at UCLA sitting there chatting because, you know, Kevin would have a behind-the-scenes thing with him and he'd let me tag along. So I do think that if you can make a friendship and a connection like that and then just kind of every opportunity that person gives you, like, he'd be like, hey, do you want to tag along on this trip? Or, hey, do you want to do this? it may be outside your comfort zone. But if not for those opportunities, I wouldn't have face to face time with you I wouldn't, you know, be friends with Pat 40. At this point, like, it was definitely the most valuable connection I've ever made in this industry. And I had to push myself outside of my comfort zone to do it. But that's really, you know, what this industry is about. So
1: yeah, the industry in general, and I'm sure even more on the journalism side, but the sports industry in general, if you if you're not willing to push yourself to a place you haven't gone before. Um chances are you're not going to you're not going to get that next opportunity because yeah. p- doing more than you know, learning more than you know, learning a different job than is in your job description, things like that are the things that are going to set you apart from the other women um who may not be pushing themselves and people notice that and people see that. Um so I I think that that pushing yourself outside the comfort zone, finding a good mentor, And I really liked the, the message about, you know, knowing your boundaries and knowing what you are willing, where you're willing to go is an interesting thing that doesn't always come up. Um, Yeah. But what other advice, Emily, might you have for young women who are looking to get their first uh, kind of touch their toes into journalism in sports?
3: Well, I think you touched on it earlier when you said, you know, pick a site, like if you, if you have an opportunity from a site you know, take it. It doesn't matter if it's, I mean, obviously you don't want to be writing, you know, uh, inappropriate stuff, but if you find a good site, that's a startup, take that opportunity. I mean, we started on our website, sidelinesass.com. We started now featuring young women that want to write. And yes, of course we can't pay them anything at this point because we're a startup as well, but Mm -hmm. the opportunity to show your work to a community of people is valuable you don't know who what eyes those are going to get in front of you don't know who's going to be trolling the internet and seeing it or see a tweet so i think the more you write at one point when i started out i was covering games like no one cared about stanford basketball at the point was they were terrible but i was covering them and i happened to get credentialed to the ncaa tournament where stanford beat kansas Mm -hmm. in a huge sweet 16 upset Mm -hmm. And I was on the road with them and I had the SID come up to me and say, you work harder than most of our beat writers and you're not even a beat writer, you know, but I was determined <laughs> to get in there. And and I took a bus from, from uh, St. Louis to Memphis and followed them to the sweet 16. It, it's just about seizing opportunity because you don't know which is going to be the next, the door that opens, you know?
1: Exactly. Kaylee. Um, I'm always looking because I, I think I'm a bit older than you girls and I'm I'm really bad at social media and I I've been on your Twitter and sideline says Twitter is like always doing something always posting something and I'm so impressed by it and I maybe (laughs) I shouldn't be that impressed because like I said I'm just really bad at it I don't know but um (laughs) Haley talk a little bit about how in journalism you've used your personal social media to help your career and then also the social media accounts for, um, for your podcast and your website to grow them as well. Because I think there's, um, especially the young women that I know are interested in journalism, there's a fine line between, you know, making sure their, their image is out there and their personality is out there without crossing a couple of lines that I've seen crossed from young women too. So can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about where that line is and how, how important it is to not cross it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I um, I had a mentor as well when I was first getting into this industry and he um, used to work for, as an editor and in the news industry, like on, on news stations and stuff. And so he gave me some really good advice and, you know, he has a lot of tough love. And so he would, um when I, before I, I think it was like maybe, Right when I got into college, um, he had sent me pictures that I had posted oh gosh. and said, um, yeah, and was like, do you think that your next employer wants to see these? And so you, if you look at it in that perspective, I think it's really easy to figure out what you should post and what you shouldn't post. And it was literally from that moment on that all of my social media, whether that was um, my personal stuff my Facebook, my Twitter, everything became about my job because that's what's important to me. And that's and not only is it a job for me, but it's my passion. So um, all my social media is pretty much dedicated around my career. Now, that's not to say that I don't have personal things because I do, but I'm very careful about what I post. Um, my sister and I went to a concert last week, and yes, I did post that, but you'll be able to see in the picture there's no alcohol, there's no drugs, there's no nakedness. There's no, you know, nothing like that, because that's not how I want to portray myself. And I think what um, young women really need to realize is that your your social media is what people are going to think of you, and they're going to assume that that's how you are. So if you're posting pictures that are um, of you in a swimsuit all the time, then people are going to think she probably doesn't take this too seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that those things are very important to keep in mind. So I think my biggest advice surrounding social media is look at your own social media as if your next employer is looking at it. Um, you know, as if the talent director at ESPN is looking at it, what do you want them to see? Um, because they will look, I mean, the first thing that most employers do are going to Google you to see what images pop up. So, um, I would do that, suggest that for yourself, Google yourself, see what images pop up because ladies, any picture that you post on the internet, that's social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, those are there forever. (laughs) So, um, and no matter what, like people can find them. So, um, that would be my suggestion. Just look at it as as if your next employer is, is looking at your um your social media and then decide whether you should post that or not. I have so many pictures. You know, we were joking earlier that I don't have enough space on my mm-hmm. phone because of all my pictures. And that's very true because I don't post every picture I take. I take lots of pictures. That doesn't mean I post them all. Um so that's just kind of how I look at social media. And I will give Emily a shout-out because she is the social media queen, and I have really had to um, to push myself, you know, that's something I'm not as comfortable with is posting stuff every day. And I, I would never think that I'm as creative with, you know, captions and things like that. So, um, she's had to push me into being better with that. And, um, and she does awesome with our sidelines, social media. And I post there occasionally when I have something interesting to <laughs> say too.
3: Well, I think the you... other day, Kaylee, go ahead. Sorry. The other day, Kaylee was like looking at a, we were looking at a fire, that was happening here in, in San Rafael at a baseball game we were at. And I didn't have my phone on me because I was running around. like I go to these games and I run around like crazy talking to people. And we're looking at this fire and it's pretty crazy. And I go to reach my phone. I don't have it. And I look at Kaylee and she's just looking at it like like a normal person <laughs> taking in what's going on. I said, are you crazy? Get your phone out. Video this. This is going to go on the <laughs> news. Like, Take a video. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, yeah. She grabs her phone, takes a video. And of course... On the internet, if you post stuff like that locally, it goes on the news and whatnot. So, just kind of teaching her to be—she's so good at being in the moment—and I'm kind of pulling her out of that. Like, hey, every opportunity for a viral video at this point is something we need for for our, you know, gain in sideline status. And and teaching people to have that critical eye for videos, especially in the sports world, is is key. You know, we've covered a lot of football games, and you never know which touchdown is going to be viral and which. Play is going to be the best. So just kind of being ready for that and and using that eye when you're watching a game, you can practice at home. Take videos on the comp- on the TV and turn them into GIFs. I mean, I I spend a whole game as a fan with my phone out. My sister looks at me like, "Are you gonna video every play?" And I'm like, just "Yeah, in I'm case. gonna video every play because yeah. I don't know." <laughs> so I think that's important. But
1: yeah, I mean, I think videos much. is something that um gosh is is hard to get used to when I'm just getting used to like. Taking relevant pictures and, and things like that. And then you, you throw at me, you know, the kids at work who do social media for our university are like so good. And she, she's just like you. She's got, she's ready to go with her video for every basket on both ends of the court. And it's just, it's a, it, it makes me want to just go to bed and turn my phone off when I think about (laughs) it. Um, but it is, it is something you can't escape. And we all need to, you know, make sure that we're, not hiding from. Um, one thing I liked that you mentioned is when your mentor said, told, showed you some pictures from your past that you probably forgot were even on social media. And I think um, depending on your age, like when I started getting on Facebook, when it first came out, I was in college and it was totally a social thing. I never would have guessed at that point that um, employers would ever use it as a tool. So I wasn't even thinking about that. And you know, kids that are younger than me are are starting it when they're even younger. So, so there are pictures of all of you all, you know, at things from seventh and eighth grade, which is fine as long as you're not acting like a fool in seventh and eighth grade.
2: And that's, I think, the problem. I sorry, I I think that's the problem. Is you know, kids younger and younger, um, they live their whole lives on social media, and so um, it does get a little you know, I don't know how far employers will go. You know, this is kind of a new realm that we're stepping into where um, you can find things from when kids are in fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Um, So who knows where that will end up in a couple years of of how relevant um, the social media from your past is. But I definitely know that, and it's hard, it's hard for young kids to realize what their future is going to be. And, you know, there's, there's always something that at the moment you think is really funny and eventually can be really damning in your career. So it's something that I think you have to be aware of, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And, uh, And you just have to take it with a grain of salt and be graceful and, you know, whatever whatever comes your way, just be able to kind of handle it. But yeah, I I think this is a new realm we're stepping in where kids who aren't mature enough to realize any of these things are posting stuff on social media. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there.
1: Uh, I completely agree. So Kaylee, before we let you go, um, we've talked and talked and talked about your podcast, but I haven't really let you tell our listeners about your podcast yet. I mentioned it was called Sideline Sass. Um, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they can expect if they listen to you and where they can find you.
2: Yeah, so our podcast is called Sideline Sass, and I, I do love the way you said sass. I need to I need to remember to do that on our next podcast, Sideline Sass. Um.
1: I can do a, voice, a voiceover for you anytime you'd like with my Michigan accent, anytime.
2: Oh my gosh. I would love it. Yes, we'll definitely have to get you on and and have you do that. But, um, yeah, you know, our, our, our podcast is, um, called Sideline Sass and we do it every other week. And basically we just have our own opinions about things that are happening in sports and we like to talk about them. And, you know, Emily and I don't always have the same opinion. So you can hear us kind of banter back and forth about what our ideas are and what, um, our point of view is on certain sports aspects. And, and we talk a little bit of pop culture, you know, um, anything that's going on that's kind of relevant in the world, uh, that's what you're going to hear. And we get sassy. We have tons of guests on that are amazing and um, that are, you know, relevant in the industries. Uh, last, our last podcast, we had on the starting pitcher of the Kansas City Royals, Jacob Junis. So he came on and talked about, you know, his journey, his career. Um, We've had on, you know, uh, players from the Raiders and from the Dodgers organization and all these things. So we have on, I think that what separates us from a lot of these podcasts is we do really use our connections in the industry that we've made over the last few years and really try to get on as many people as we can to talk about whatever's going on. We've had on Pat Forty and um, writers athletes, broadcasters, kind of everybody coming together to, to speak on their opinion. Um, we do hit on some, you know, serious topics sometimes. Last time we touched a little bit about, uh, mental illness and kind of what's going on in the world. And, um, and so yeah, that's kind of, we, we cover it all. We talk our opinions and, um, you can hear us getting, you know, we're very conversational. We just, we love what we do and we love talking about it and, so that's why we started this podcast was just to be able to talk sports as much as we want to. So you can find us um, on AudioBoom.com, Sideline SidelineSass. Again, it is also on iTunes, and we do have our own um, website, and that is SidelineSass.com, and that's with three S's. So SASS with three S's. Um, and there we have all of our writing, our video, our audio, all the content that you could possibly want is on that site. So that's where i would find us and on social media so
1: well kaylee and emily thank you so much for being here today um it was such such a lovely time listening to someone a couple of girls who take it really serious because it is their job but also can see the humor and a couple of girls talking sports and i love that Wisp Sports Radio. the voice of women in sport So for more conversations from the world of women's sport, please visit wispsports.com where you'll find more than 800 podcast episodes, plus blogs, videos, and articles. Wisp Sports Radio is the world's largest podcast network for women's sport, with 30 shows and 20 hosts around the world. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app. To follow females in athletic business, this podcast or Wisp Sports, use at fabsports.org and at wisps. Sports on social media. The FAB Podcast is a co-production of Females in Athletic Business and WISP Sports. Check out Females in Athletic Business on the web at www.fabsportsorg.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the FAB Podcast when we will sit down with community relations manager... Um, Christina Hofstadt and she is going to chat with us about the importance of female mentoring in sports business. Um, She is the community relations manager for the National Football League, so we're really excited to have her here. See you all next week, and thanks for listening.
0: Thank you to our brand sponsors at WIS Sports Radio. Please visit them at highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain.